Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. What's going on, guys? Welcome to ID Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. On today's show, we have Dr. Lori Mintz. And I was just telling Sarah, I was like, all of our interviews lately have been about sex, but we, we've we batching them and we've spread them <laughs> out for you. So you're not, if you're, if you're a subscriber, which hopefully you are, they've been spread out, but we just did like four in the last two days. And, I know. <laughs> and, hey, sex is an important part of relationships. So the more uh, advice we can get and also give you guys the better. And, uh, Dr. Lori Mintz definitely gave us some great stuff today and where we talked about mindfulness and she is a professor at the University of Florida where she teaches the psychology of human sexuality uh, to over 150 students a year and she is also a licensed psychologist and the author of two books both aimed at empowering women's sexuality. And I was going to mention that although today's episode is geared towards sex, Lori does talk a lot about mindfulness and those practices that she talks about you can use in everyday life in your relationship. So yes, it's for sex, but it can be for so much more as well. Yeah, really everyday life. And uh, also we learned some unique history of female <laughs> vibrators that go yeah. back centuries. We'll let you listen to find out how bees are involved. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and also some other um, some other practical myths around female sexuality. So uh, guys listening, definitely take some notes. But to our female listeners, these are things that you, you may not realize are widely held beliefs by, you know, a, a, a lot of men out there. So we talk about how don't assume that your partner knows how to please you um, and, and how to communicate around that. So a lot of good stuff in today's episode. Yeah. And uh, like Chase mentioned, a lot of these myths that, uh, that uh, Lori talks about, use them as um, uh, as examples or ways to start or initiate the conversation with your partner. Like Chase mentioned, a lot of guys, they may not know exactly what you want or what you like in bed. So use these talking points as a way to initiate the conversation. And then if you need help to start a sex conversation, a couple episodes back, episode 131, we created a, a step-by-step guide to help 
guide you and your partner in having a successful and productive sex conversation. So you can check that out on our website. We'll link to it in the show notes and in the podcast description, um, but it's on our uh, website, idopodcast.com, and it's episode 131. Before we continue on to our episode today, we have an announcement, and that's that we are doing a retreat in Hood River, Oregon this summer. Yeah, Hood River is an amazing spot, and there is no better way to improve your relationship than trying new things together. In Hood River is the perfect place to do this. It's in the Columbia River Gorge. It's a national scenic byway. It is stunning. We've spent about five summers there. I always go there uh, for stand-up paddle racing, and we will be doing a lot of fun activities with you guys. There's whitewater rafting. We'll be doing stand-up paddleboarding, waterfall hikes, wine tasting in the vineyards there are and there's orchards and it's absolutely beautiful you have mount hood which is almost an 11,000 foot mountain that's covered in snow in the middle of summer and and it's just a beautiful place and we want to share it with you guys and we will also be doing relationship strengthening exercises each day so you're going to be doing all these new things which is always good for your relationship and also doing deliberate practice in your communication and a lot of other things that will be led by a professional therapist. So we are looking forward to sharing this uh, this exciting time with you guys. Yeah, the retreat is going to be held on July 28th through August 2nd in Hood River, Oregon, like we said. And uh, you can find out more information on the retreat on our website at idopodcast.com. You can go up at, t- up at the top of the website and you'll see where it says retreats and uh, you'll find all the information, uh, even more details um, than what we said. And of course, if you have any questions, um, send them our way. Yeah. And you can also check the show notes for that link. And we had a lot of inquiries for our Costa Rica retreat, but we didn't really give enough time leading up to it for international travel. People were trying to get their passports sorted and and we definitely are going to put Costa Rica on the on the agenda for 2019. But for, for this year, we thought it would be a lot easier for you guys. You fly into Portland. It's super easy to get to. And uh, it's kind of like it's it's not a well-known place, I feel like, because I didn't really know about Hood River too much, but it is like this hidden gem. It's not too hidden. A fair amount of people <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest know about it, but it is, it is stunning. You'll, you'll see the pictures on our website, and you'll see why it's such a special place. And uh, yeah, we, we'd be excited to have you guys there and, and share it with you. So we hope you guys enjoyed today's show. And again, check out idopodcast.com or the show notes for information on the Hood River Couples Retreat. And we will definitely be talking about it more in the future. Hi, Lori. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. We've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work as a therapist and then also a teacher. And why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Sure. Well, I'm a licensed psychologist and I've been working with individuals and couples for almost 30 years now. I'm also a professor at the University of Florida and I teach psychology of human sexuality to about 150 students a year. And I'm also the author of two books, um, both with the Goal of Empowering Women Sexually, uh, Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex and Becoming Cliterate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It. And through all of those activities, one of my greatest joys is helping people live more authentic, free, joyful, and sexually pleasurable lives through the art and science of psychology. We love that, and I think we are going to have a lot of great stuff for us and our listeners today with today's topic, and that is mindfulness in sex, in our sex life, so bringing mindfulness into the bedroom. So mindfulness, I feel like 
in a very good way, it's it's a trending sort of word, and it's out there, and 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 uh, seems like now more than ever that people are uh, hearing that in conversation. But it is something that is easier said than done, right? So why don't we start by having you talk about mindfulness and how it's important in the bedroom and how we can improve it. Okay, that sounds great. So everybody, you're right. People hear this buzzword, mindfulness, and there's some confusion about what does that mean? A lot of people think, oh, it means sitting and meditating for, you know, 60 minutes or something. And that's not at all what mindfulness is. Um, Mindfulness, I like to define it as putting your head and your body in the same place because so many times our body can be doing one thing and our mind is somewhere else. To use a sexual example, we can be in the middle of receiving oral sex, for example, and our mind can be, instead of focusing on our body sensations, like, am I taking too long to orgasm? Is he getting bored? Or, you know, how do I smell? So mind and body in the same place. And But what I also like to say to people, have you ever ridden a roller coaster? And whether you like it or not, it really helps define mindfulness because as you're going up, 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 your mind and body might not be in the same place. You might be thinking, oh my heavens, this is going to be fun or, oh, why did I do this? I want to get off or I hope my buckle is tight. But then as soon as you start flying downhill, you're not thinking at all. You're simply feeling. Your mind and body are in the same place. You're fully immersed in your body sensations. And that's what mindfulness is. But lastly, mindfulness is also the ability to bring your mind back. It's not just always being in that same place. It's that ability that you can cultivate to notice when your mind is wandering rather than just follow it and to bring it back to your body sensations. So I I think I've gone on a little bit defining what mindfulness is. I think your other question was to how does that apply to sex? I don't know if you want to stop there and say anything about what I just said, or if you'd like me to just move on to how it applies to sex. Let's, let's uh, talk about mindfulness first and then we'll, we'll get into how it applies to sex. And I I love that, um, that description of putting our heads in our body in the same place. And I, I feel like I spend a majority of the time, uh, you can call it daydreaming. You could call, you know, thinking about the future, thinking about the past, but, but not being present. And it's something I always want to work on. What are some ways that we can notice that our mind is watering and that we can, that we can work on being in the present moment? Absolutely. And and your experience is like most of the rest of the world. Our minds wander a lot. Um, and it's a constant, constant cultivating um, practice to be mindful. And what I advocate people do is that they start small. They start in their daily lives on little activities that any moment can be a mindful moment. And so, for example, when you're brushing your teeth, that's a great place to start. That's a time where most people are just mindlessly brushing and thinking something else. But if you focus on the sensations, really focus on the suds in your mouth and the feel of the brush and the toothbrush, that teaches you mindfulness. You can do it washing dishes. You can do it taking a walk. Any moment can be a mindful one. And the practice is to focus on fully on your body sensations and to the moment and to bring your mind back when it wanders. And some of the best ways to bring your mind back is to take a deep breath, breathe in and out and focus on the breath going in and out. Um, and that is often helpful to bring one back to the moment. And is this something that I'm, I'm just curious, it's, it's slightly, I don't want to say off topic, but evolutionarily, why, why do we tend to wander so easily? Why, why is it so hard to just be present? Is there a, a mechanism that, that for, for having evolved this way, um, 
Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm not an evolutionary psychologist. I'm a, a a psychologist that, you know, educates about sex and helps people live more authentic lives. And so I don't know what um, I could make some stuff up and I can guess, um, but I won't do that. Instead, I'll say that... Um, you know, I think our ancestors probably used to be more mindful, um, had more focus on the moment, and that it's modern culture that is, you know, it's pushing us to be in two places, three places, four places at a time. And um, what we do know, though, is that cultivating mindfulness in daily life, it's related to happiness. It's related to self-esteem. It's related to like less experiences of pain. It's definitely related to a better sex life. So I don't know the whys, but I can tell you with beyond any doubt that cultivating mindfulness in daily life is one of the most powerful um, psychological remedies based on research that we've got going right now. Yeah. So what is the the first step that someone can use to implement mindfulness in the bedroom? So first, as I said, practice in daily life first. I always advocate that so that you get used to what it's like to bring your wandering mind back. Um, and again, you can do that in daily activities. Some people also like to actually sit and try a meditation, and there's some great apps for that, um, Insight Time or Headspace with these two or three or six-minute meditations. But then once you know what that feels like to immerse fully in the sensations and bring your mind back, it's really a simple doing it during a sexual encounter. When you notice your mind wandering, um, doing what... Um, we sex therapists and educators called spectator sex, sort of watching yourself from the outside, usually about performance or appearance or body image. Um, and then just bring your mind gently back to the moment. Um, I have different clients who sometimes like to just do it, bring themselves back to the moment through that breath work. Um, some, I have one client who finds that if she sort of nuzzles her nose into her partner's neck or a body part that smells good to her, that helps her signal herself to come back to the moment. I have another client who says she um, breathes through her genitals or she tells herself to do that. That reminds her. I have another client who says bed, not head to herself. So different people will develop different strategies for bringing their body and mind back to the same place, but it's the same principle in bed as it is outside of bed. So one thing I'm thinking as a guy is that generally premature orgasm is a much bigger problem for for men than for women. And so we're taught early on or the pop culture is to th to think about something else. I don't know if it was something like in a movie. It was like th count your baseball cards. I think I swear it was in a movie. It was like <laughs> just count count your baseball cards and think about baseball cards in your head to to distract ourselves from from the good feeling. So it's kind of like a paradox in that we don't want to last for one minute, but it sometimes if we you have to put your mind somewhere else or or maybe there's some breathing techniques but can you talk a little bit about that um and i this the uh physiology of it probably lends itself a lot more to this being a male problem well you know it's interesting what you say um what are sort of male, common male problems for during sex and common female problems. And um, for both, however, mindfulness can really work in that advice that you're talking about of like think of something else. It's not for premature, what's called premature ejaculation. Um, it's not really what's recommended. Um, so to, to back up basically a few things about just to address premature ejaculation in general, um, men think is premature ejaculation is not. And because of 
unrealistic porn images that we have right now. And I'm not anti-porn. I'm just, it shouldn't be used as sex ed. That's for sure. Um, is that many people, many men think they should last long, really long, um, unrealistically long for, um, female pleasure. Um, and that's, that's, inaccurate. First of all, the average man orgasms about anywhere between three and six minutes between if you're talking about intercourse, putting his penis in a vagina and um, ejaculation. And most women, you know, will say it's really not intercourse that's going to bring them orgasm. Most women need clitoral stimulation. So that's just some background. But in terms of um, thinking something else and, or, you know, I've heard men even tell me that they were told to think like negative, terrible thoughts. And it's like, oh no, don't do that. Don't ruin your sexual encounter with thinking bad thoughts to make yourself not orgasm. What actually is most helpful for premature ejaculation is exercises where you're very mindful of your body. You're very tuned into your body's responses. And most men have this point of ejaculatory inevitability. It's the, I'm going to come phenomenon. I'm going to come right now. And focusing and learning your own body enough to know when that is and then be able to back off um, and um, before that point, back off on the stimulation. So actually, you know, while maybe thinking, counting cards or whatever backwards may help, um, the actual most proven techniques don't do, don't recommend that at all. They recommend more body attunement. That's a good point. And yeah, I mean, I knew that was misinformation, but I, it is information that, that is widely distributed, at least, at least as a, as a male growing up and, and like that was, I, it didn't come from like a sex ed book, but like, like I said, pop culture. And then, and then it kind of intuitively might, seems like it's, it's one of the first things to, to maybe try like, Oh, just don't, try not to think about how good it feels. And, uh, it is paradoxical because we want to be in our bodies, like you said, and you can actually, last longer if you're if you're breathing if you're aware of what's going on how can a a partner if there's two partners in the relationship and one seems to be into it and and not their mind is not wandering and the other is just completely not there they're thinking about their email or something and surely we can sense this how can that be addressed uh, within the relationship that's such a great point. Um, and sexual communication, basically. I mean, I'll, so much of good partnered sex comes down to something we're never taught, um, which is good communication, good sexual communication. Um, and and it's okay to say it. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to say, gee, I sense you're not really here. Um and or it's okay to say to your partner, you know, I'm really having trouble focusing. I'm like so stressed out. I keep thinking of my emails, you know, it's not about you. And they can have a conversation. What would help? What can we do to bring you back to the moment? Uh, so it all comes down to good sexual communication. Yeah, it, it's so important. And, and one of the things that's really unique about sex as a, as a human is that it's one of the times that if you are being mindful that you can really go into a deep state of mindfulness where you are not thinking about anything else and, and, and only that present moment. And, and, uh, there's not too many activities that are, that are like that. Certainly sex is a, uh, it is is one of the ones beside you know certainly also with your partner that you're sharing that moment at the same time it's pretty pretty special thing yeah and it, i i say in my book becoming clitorate that mindfulness is sex's best friend but i also talk about something you just pointed out that actually at the moment of orgasm research shows that a part of your conscious brain turns off and 
that's and other parts are activated. But so in a sense, orgasm is like the most mindful moment you 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 can have. Um, they are, they go hand in hand, mindfulness and orgasm. Do you have any um, advice for, or maybe like almost like an exercise that when you're practicing mindfulness, do you recommend doing it with your partner in this situation where maybe you're both trying to be more mindful together and in that with that connection, it helps your connection in bed as well? But before we continue on with this interview, I want to play a song that I had made for Chase. It was the last night of the year I saw you saunter by and my mission was clear I just had to meet that sexy surfer man Then I thought you might be running with a big bad bunch When I saw your brother reeling from a soccer punch But I'm pleased to say you're no That is so cool. It sounds like it could be on the radio, maybe. It sounds great. And it is such a great gift because it's really personal. It's really cute. She mentions how we made a little water monkey. That's our daughter, Stella. And water monkey is the name of our business in Florida uh, where we take people paddleboarding. But it's just so personal and, and it sounds great. It's almost... It's like uh, kind of got a Jack Johnson feel and, and we love the song and it's just such a great gift. And just so Chase mentioned the little water monkey, that's actually in the second verse that didn't just get played for you. But if you want to hear the full version, you'll have to stay tuned for the end of the episode because we'll play the whole song. And that is probably my favorite part of the song. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, there are obviously a lot of Things you can get for someone, uh, chocolate, flowers, those are all nice, <laughs> but this is so unique. It's like a, it's basically a poem, a song, and, and it's beautiful. And like I said, it sounds great. So it's just a nice thing to have, especially the, the first few times you listen to it. It's a, a really special, unique gift. And the process of creating the song was so easy. I just answered a few questions about our relationship and told the songwriter how I wanted the feel of the song to be. And it came out just like this. So it was so easy and it was perfect. And I feel like it relates to exactly how I wanted to express my love to Chase. So we hope you guys get one as well for your partner. It's a great gift for birthdays or anniversaries. So you can go to songfinch.com and enter the promo code I do. That's songfinch.com, promo code I do, and you can get 10% off your song. Again, that's songfinch.com with the promo code I do. Honestly, my answer is going to be no. Um, because what mindfulness is, I mean, is focusing on yourself, focusing on the sensate, your own sensations in the moment. And ironically, the best sex is when you're sort of folk, you can focus like on your own sensations. And so, you know, sort of doing, certainly there's partner connection exercises in tantric sex, for example, and you might be thinking of those, but like when you tell people, for example, when you debunk the um, myth of the simultaneous orgasm that people should aim for that, I always debunk it by saying it is going to be impossible to be mindfully focused on your own sensations while you're like, okay, let's time this. Is he, is he about to come? Is she about to come? Let's get it at the same time. That's the opposite of mindful immersion, which is what's necessary for sex. So as a uh, professor in, in the class you teach, 
is there any particular, um, you know, I imagine it's, it's a few months long, so you're covering a lot of material. What is resonating the most with, with your students when it comes to uh, mindfulness and sex? Or, or, or maybe it, it's not exactly within that. Is there anything that, that's like really aha moment for a lot of them? Well, I will tell you both what the biggest aha moments are, but I will also tell you how I incorporate mindfulness into the class is um, basically usually the biggest aha moments for my students come around the myths around female pleasure um, that are so prevalent in our culture. And that's why I wrote my book, Becoming Cliterate. Um, and about to close the orgasm gap, which is based in so many myths and misunderstandings about female pleasure. So that's where I get the most feedback. However, in terms of mindfulness, from the start of the class, I talk about how mindfulness is related to sexual pleasure and orgasm. And I explain why, that if you're spectator sex, when you're watching yourself, I'm not talking about watching someone else, is the biggest cause of most sexual dysfunctions, lack of orgasm, erectile dysfunction. And so the, the antidote for that in most sex therapy is mindfulness. So I talk about that, I teach that, and after I teach that very early on, and then every class I teach, it's a three-hour class, and I lecture for about an hour and a half. And then at the break, after they come back from break, I do a five-minute mindfulness meditation before I start the second half of the class. And my students love it, and they report that it helps them not only focus for through a three-hour class, but they're really learning the skills that we're talking about in the class. It can be great just to be able, I'm sure they take a break and then they're on their cell phones or they're talking to friends. And I imagine that it's just a great way to kind of turn off and like really be able to focus in on, on the class. I think that's an we should do that, you know, even before the interview with the podcast. I'm just like thinking about when we can do that to help our uh, the way that we do our interviews or um, our work in general. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's something that, that the students really love. And in fact, I do it in my graduate seminar, too. I start the class. It's a class, a practicum class where I'm supervising people, you know, learning to see clients. And I start every class with a different meditation, like five, six-minute meditation before we start the supervision process. And it calms people sort of right down, brings them into the room because they're usually rushing there, having, you know, running late, doing this, doing that, one more email before I go to class kind of thing. Sounds like the story of my life. I feel like I'm always <laughs> rushing, not to class, but but uh, yeah, just give myself a little time and then five-minute meditation will be really good. Uh, I want to ask you about the, you mentioned the one of the biggest revelations was the myths around female pleasure. What are some of those myths and uh, how can we uh, correct them? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So the biggest myth is that women should um, or do orgasm um, from just intercourse alone. And actually, you know, only 15, about 15% of women um, orgasm from just a thrusting penis. Um, that's not what you see in mainstream movies or porn. Um, most, and we have this sort of false orgasm hierarchy, you know, it's like, oh, if you can orgasm from intercourse, that's the best. Yeah, second best is, okay, pairing clitoral stimulation and intercourse, and then, you know, worst, lowest on the totem pole is, you know, just straight on clitoral stimulation, and that we have this whole cultural script around this, that foreplay, just to get her ready for intercourse, intercourse, male ejaculation, um, we even use the words intercourse and sex simultaneously, often faked female orgasm there, and sex over, and the women in my class and the men in my class are just really freed up um, when they really understand that most of the uh, nerve endings that a woman needs to orgasm are on the outside, not the inside of her genitals, and that, you know, changing that cultural script and, you know, having, considering 
clitoral stimulation and penile stimulation as equal. Equally as important, not just one is a lead on lead up to the other. And this is where certainly having that information is valuable for both sexes, but then communicating around it, right? Like we talk about a lot on this podcast, communication, and we've had shows on sexual communication, but your partner, it, it you know, I'm mainly, well, I'm speaking to both male and females, but as a, as a guy that a lot of times we can't, like you said, this information isn't well known and we can't read your mind. So say what you want, say what you like and, and communicate around that. And obviously in, in a way that's not blaming or accusatory and in all the right ways. But, uh, but if you don't like, don't expect anything to magically change. Um, unless your, your boyfriend or husband's listening to this podcast and taking notes or you're listening together (laughs) and then they'll know. But, but, uh, yeah, it's important to, to know that information, but then to, to communicate it and, and implement it. Absolutely. And what, even just knowing this information, even, you know, it's going to help, but it's not even going to solve a problem of, a, you know, a female lack of orgasm or the orgasm gap, um, which is men having more orgasms than women, because what every woman needs to orgasm is different. It's so interesting. Every woman's genital nerves are positioned differently. And even what one woman needs from one encounter to the other differs. So you not just need you need to know what your specific partner wants in general and in the moment. And the only way to do that is to have good sexual communication. And that's why actually in Becoming Cliterate I have an entire chapter teaching sexual communication because it's so pivotal. It's so pivotal to female orgasm. Are there any other big myths that uh we need to get debunked here? Oh, so many. So many. <laughs> Give us some of the major um, ones. But um, another one is that vibrators are addictive or that they take the place of one's partner. Um, and I debunk that, you know, by kind of going into the history. I can go into the history of vibrators and that women have been that sensation. Vibration is something that women have been using for centuries. Um, In the old days, women actually put bees in a box and held it to their genitals. Vibrators were invented by physicians. Anyway, I can get into a lot of it, but basically the, the metaphor, you know, I like to say vibrators don't cuddle, they don't kiss. They don't say, I love you. Um, they're just a tool to incorporate, and they, they provide the kind of stimulation that many women need to orgasm. And if you like to orgasm with your vibrator, then bring it into partner sex. And I use a metaphor in the book that if you and your partner were swimming in the pool one day and having a great time and you had a, a raft that you were sort of jumping on and laying on and, you know, using and floating on, you wouldn't at the end of the day say, oh, my boyfriend and I had this great time at the pool. I mean, I'm sorry, my raft and I had a great time at the pool and my boyfriend was there too. Um <laughs> You know, and it's just like a vibrator. It's just a tool to bring into the bedroom. It doesn't replace a partner's, you know, connection. I had no idea that vibrators were back in the day that that's... The Be, aren't you glad? Bees? When, you said bees, bees into a, in a box? box. That's, wow, that's pretty <laughs> yes. creative. Yes. And And second, how can you go about telling your partner, maybe you haven't used a vibrator before with your partner during intercourse and you want to try to bring that in, but you're afraid of their reaction or they, you're afraid that they may not be comfortable with bringing something else into bed. Like maybe they might feel that they're not enough for you. How would you go about initiating that conversation? And again, we're right back to good sexual communication and some (laughs) knowledge, right? You know, so just to say, I usually let, you know, say, tell people to use I statements and, you know, meta communications, which is communication about communication. So I might suggest someone say something like this, you know, I want to talk to you about something and I'm a little nervous about your reaction, but I want to talk about it anyway, because I think it will really be good for our relationship. So you're sort of expressing your fear and you're communicating about communicating. And then you say, I really love our sex life. 
and I need, you know, direct clitoral stimulation to orgasm. And I think I've done some reading on vibrators and, you know, it turns out that women who use vibrators um, in partnered sex have more orgasms. And I'd sure love to have more orgasms in our life together. So I'd love to try to incorporate a vibrator into our sex life. What's your reaction? Yeah, I think that's um, a great a, a great example. And, and like you said, it's just about communicating and being open with your partner and to really and be vulnerable and not be afraid of what they're going to say. Right, right. And actually, you know, the research is also clear just for anybody who might be listening and wants to broach this topic. You know, m- the vast majority of men are actually comfortable with and fine with their partner's vibrator use. And in fact, um, for the men out there listening, um, there's been a study where it showed that uh, men's comfort with women's vibrator use was highly related to female sexual satisfaction and orgasm. And so once once men can let go of the myth that their penis is central to female orgasm, it opens up a lot of freedom and a lot of possibilities, and it takes the pressure off men as well, which will help with both, you know, erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation. So, you know, debunking that myth is going to help everybody, women and men, together. Are there any other big myths, or maybe we can talk a, a little bit? I'm sure there's some myths around. Uh, it doesn't have to be a myth, but I feel like based on the show, talking with other guests, that pornography uh, is can be quite detrimental to a relationship. It can also be beneficial. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, yes, I can. Um, you know, and I can talk about this from a research perspective because I teach this in my class. Um, basically, yes, there are a small percentage of the population who do get have problematic pornography use. What does that mean? It means it's interfering with their relationships. It's interfering with work. It's like, you know, they're doing, they're maybe staying home and, you know, masturbating to porn rather than going out with friends or, you know, spending time with a partner. So there's definitely, it can be harmful for some people, for some relationships, Um, But where the most harm that's shown isn't that. It's that people are using pornography rather than entertainment as role models. People are using pornography as the notion that um, this is what's normal and this is what our sex should look like. And that's the only thing that research has definitively shown is a problem. But if if you start thinking about it as like, well, you know, it's fun to watch like Superman or Superwoman jump off a building, but that's staged. You know, I'm not going to try that. You start, but it's entertaining. If you start looking at pornography that way, many couples report or individuals that watching erotica together, if you can, is arousing and it sort of primes the pump. So it's really again all about. Um, how you view it, how you use it. And it often requires a lot of conversation around, well, would this be something we would like? Should we try it? How do we react to it? Um, that kind of thing. It's important to to keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's a good analogy, like watching Superman jump off a building. It is not, it is certainly not real life. And not to mention, like, they the preparation that they're going through like to shoot a scene is it's not like they it's not normal sex <laughs> like <laughs> like uh from from in, and then even physically like the appearances and the the lighting and there's makeup and it's it's just like mass media in, in general as well like you'll see uh, a couple have sex on it might be a Netflix show and and then they just roll over and cuddle in the bed and it's like there's no cleanup there's no it's just everything's perfect and 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 the kids are sleeping and and that that's not real life most of the time we might have that have that come together uh here and there but by keeping that perspective and and not trying to measure yourself against these uh unrealistic expectations 
Absolutely. I mean, I always talk about it like this is interesting. There's this whole upsurge of women wanting to squirt, for example. Some women do, some women don't. But you know how it's filmed in porn? They use like... Um, in, like an enema or something, like a water bottle kind of thing, and they fill the woman's vagina with water till she can't hold it anymore. They run away, and then they hit shoot. Um, so, I mean, it's all, so much of it is staged, exactly what you're saying, and yet we don't teach our children, our young adults this. In, in the Netherlands, in fact, in their sex ed, they show porn, and then they discuss the difference between porn sex and real-life sex. And here in the U.S., we don't have good sex ed, and our young people are re- relying on porn as sex ed. So they're relying on staged um, exaggerated filmed um, scenes. So you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Wow. Well, we'll have to have you back on and we can dive into the uh, lack of or the need for reform of sex ed in the U.S. Because, yeah, it's crazy as a culture. We're very sexualized in, in media and advertising. But when it comes to education and, and talking openly about it, it's like very conservative. And, and that you mentioned in the Netherlands, I th- I believe it was there. I know it was somewhere in Northern Europe. I think the Netherlands that it's also quite common that when a, uh, when a teenager is, is of sexual maturity, like mid teens and they, they're in a serious relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, the parents will actually invite one or the other over to spend the night and like give them condoms. And, and there it's just like, that would never happen in in the United States. There's, I mean, maybe rarely, but but I guess um, I'll have to do some more research on that, but that it was a fairly common thing that they were doing. And teen pregnancy is quite lower yeah, there, right? Teen pregnancy was down um, and, and uh, 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 sexually transmitted diseases, all these things, because it was open and, and talked about. And it's like, hey, this is natural. Right. And they have a higher rate of... Um, female orgasm, they have less problems with acquaintance rape and lack of consent. So, yeah, I'm a, I definitely would love to come back and feel really passionate about what we need to do to reform sex ed. So that would be a fantastic conversation. Well, we'll do it. And, and today, I uh, want to thank you for all the great advice you've given us and our listeners. Definitely a lot of, of good things that we can implement. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, that's great. Thank you for having me on. You can find me online on my website, which is www.drlorimintz.com, on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, all the same handles, Dr. Lori Mintz, and you can buy my books anywhere, books, e-books, audio books, Kindle books are sold, such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, indie bookstores, etc., Perfect. Well, all of those links and links to your books will be on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. So our listeners know to go there and, and check out all those great resources. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you for having me on and thank you for asking about mindfulness because it really is sex's best friend. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show. If you want to check out the show notes or the interview links from today's show, Head on over to our website at idopodcast.com, click on the podcast tab, and you'll see this interview up at the top, followed by all of our other past interviews. And while you're on our website, check out our 14-day happy couple challenge. We send you a daily email with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship even better. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources in the form of downloadable guides and workbooks. Um, So for example, uh, some of the topics include how to cultivate respect in a relationship, how to heal from a bad breakup, step-by-step guides to help couples manage conflict, Uh, how to affair-proof your relationship. Those are just a few of the topics that we talk about uh, in these free guides. So if any of those sound interesting to you, you can check those out on our website at idopodcast.com. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show.
Listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.